Well, for those of you who are not at the fair this morning, I give God thanks and praise for you. <laughs> what a beautiful thing to be here on the uh, fourth Sunday of October. Can you believe it, friends? We're in the fourth Sunday of October. Let me just say that one more time. We're in the fourth Sunday of October. Um, this year is moving by very, very quickly. And over the last three weeks, um, as we have been preaching through a new sermon series at CERT, we have been giving one another tools to help us transition into this last quarter of the year. Um, I really do believe that transitions deserve acknowledgement because oftentimes with transitions comes change or great transformation in our lives. And as we are leaning into maybe dreaming or visioning or reflecting or taking stock of what this year has held for us and then what the rest of this year might hold for us, that we would be the kind of people who would allow Jesus to also show up in the midst of our transitions, um, that we would let Jesus lead out in our transitions, that we would not let our faith lag behind. But I know that um, some of us have grown up in Christian circles that speak a lot of Christianese, that say things like, just keep Jesus at the center of your life or, 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 or let lead Jesus like lead. And, and then, we, then we ask the question, like, so what do we mean when we say that? Like, just keep Jesus at the center. Just let Jesus lead. And um, I think the, the way that we, that we do that um, are through watching the ways in which Jesus moved through the world that we might gain insight on practices that we can take up in our own lives, that we might lay down tools that may not necessarily serve us and serve our lives, and to pick up and to imitate the tools of Jesus that do bring forth life and life more abundantly. So in the first week of October, uh, we let Jesus lead us by uh, anchoring ourselves in the first chapter of John's gospel when Jesus asked the disciples, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you want? Um, allowing Jesus to whisper in our ears um, that question so that we might get really clear about maybe the deep needs or wants in our own lives. It is hard to be commissioned and deployed by God or to allow other people to speak into our lives and to tell us what to do when we have a hard time answering to Jesus, to the one who loves us. This is what I need and this is what I want. And then last week, we talked about um, how Jesus in Mark's chapter, in the first chapter uh, of Mark, um, went away to a place of solitude and how the gift of solitude can oftentimes also birth the gift of clarity. Um, that when we turn down the volume on other voices around us, that we can hear clearly the voice of God who allows us not just to hold on to the things that are good, but for us to turn our direction to the things in our lives that might be great. This week, we're going to also land in the first chapter of Mark's gospel, but only one verse we're going to read. Because this morning, I want to explore how prayer, or I'm going to use this term, practicing the presence, which is another way that um, spiritual uh, guides, mentors, uh, desert mothers and fathers would talk about prayer. They would talk about it as practicing the presence of God, can bring us into greater awareness and communion and connection with the divine. Because when we have communion with the divine, then we also open up ourselves to the power of the divine. So here now these words in um, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In fact, since it's a short verse, I might invite us to read it together. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there Jesus prayed. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, it's really remarkable that for the majority of us, most of our like childhood, middle school, and high school lives uh, were marked by the ringing of a bell or the buzzer over a loudspeaker. How many of you, when you were in school, either had a bell that helped you to know when you needed to go to the next class? Yeah, or a buzzer, or some wonderful person other than Charlie Brown's teacher telling you, make haste, it is now time to be released onto the playground. It is really wild that our great level of attentiveness for most of our lives, our, our, our breathing, living days were ordered by a buzzer or a bell. And probably we got so attuned to the buzzer or the bell that we didn't even think twice about, oh my goodness, now it's time to, time to go to second period. Brrr, now it's time to go to the cafeteria. Brrr, now it's time to end my day. But what we know is that the buzzer or the bell was not the thing. The buzzer or the bell just simply made us aware of a greater reality. Ah, this is the time to eat. Brrr, this is the time for me to open up this particular book. Brrr, this is the time for me to go to my car and to eat lunch. Brrr, this is the time when now I can go home and rest after a very long day. The bell or the, the buzzer just alivened our attention to something greater. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says that Jesus, in the early morning, while it was still very dark, got up and went to a deserted place or a solitary place, and there Jesus prayed. It's not the morning when it is dark that is the thing, but the early morning, getting up and going to the deserted place simply was an attention grabber for then Jesus to go and to commune with God. The early morning hour became an opportunity for Jesus to pray. The early morning hour became an opportunity for Jesus to lean into the practice of solitude. It's not the morning and it's not the deserted place so much that is the greater thing. It's that they enliven an awareness or an attention to how the divine can commune with Christ and how Christ could also commune with the divine. We're not sure if Jesus specifically got up on this day to gain clarity through this time of prayer, or if it was Jesus' daily practice that in the morning, when it was very dark, that Jesus would find a solitary place to pray. We're not quite sure if it's one or the other. What we know is that time marks a moment for Jesus to be in communion beyond himself which means that the noonday breeze could also mark time to be a moment for Jesus to commune with the divine, which also means that the setting of the sun might be a moment for Jesus to become aware and then to commune with the divine. It means that there are lots of things around us that might catch our attention or aliven our awareness to recognize that there is an opportunity to connect with God. This is the premise of the tool that I want to share with you this morning called practicing the presence. Now, practicing the presence was coined by um, Brother Lawrence 
of the resurrection who was a 17th century friar and also a um, hermit. Uh, he was a part of the, uh, a member of the order of the descaled Carmelites. I don't know what it means to be descaled, but that's okay. Most of them um, had the nice little shiny spot on the top of their heads. Maybe that's what it meant to be a descaled Carmelite. But Brother Lawrence was one of, was, was a descaled Carmelite. Um, and when, um, when you read about Brother Lawrence, you often hear how Brother Lawrence believed that in our everyday mundane activities, that that became an opportunity to connect with God. Brother Lawrence was known for uh, constantly having conversation with God as Brother Lawrence went along his day. If you were to Google images of Brother Lawrence, oftentimes it's of Brother Lawrence washing the dishes or cleaning pottery. Because it was in those moments as Brother Lawrence was just going about his ordinary everyday that Brother Lawrence would have, um, would consider that to be a moment of attentiveness and awareness to pray and to commune and to have conversation with God. Similarly, John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism, who was a little bit of an odd character, friends. It was an odd character. Um, John Wesley always started his day with, with prayer and devotion. He also broke up his day in 15-minute increments, i.e. why we're called Methodists. Woo. But every hour on the hour, John Wesley would pray. Every hour on the hour, John Wesley, or during the waking hours, John Wesley would just have conversation with God. It might not be anything deep or overly long, but, but John Wesley would say, nope, as, I, as I'm going through my day, in order to gain direction and clarity, I must stop every hour on the hour just to simply talk to God. What's so beautiful about this practice of washing dishes and praying and having conversation or baking bread and praying and having conversation with God or stopping every hour or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 35 minutes is that whenever we are in communion with God, when we make ourselves attentive to God's presence among us, we make ourselves available to the power of God's listening ears. We make ourselves available to God's comfort in our lives. We make ourselves available to God's justice. We make ourselves available to God's peace and God's presence. We make ourselves available to God's love. We somehow, uh, in our talking to God, whether in a whisper or offering up gratitude or just giving God your tears or simply just saying the names of those that you love, it's a sign that, oh, we believe that God is with us and that God takes note of us but also, too, that we take note of God. That it doesn't have to be a whole hour or laying out prostrate at the end of the evening that necessarily gets God's attention or that proves that we actually are attentive to God. But as we're washing dishes and saying, God, I thank you, or God, today is difficult, or wow, today I feel good, God. <laughs> that practicing the presence makes all of our moments holy and reminds us that mundane activities can become access points to the divine. You don't have to show up here at CERT to have access to the divine. I loved that during the pandemic, though we do not need to go through another pandemic, but I love that through the, in the pandemic, you know, people would ride their bikes on the greenway while they listen to worship because you can have an encounter 
with the divine on the greenway. That every time you get up from your desk at work, that can be a moment to have an encounter with the divine. That each time you get in and out of your car, that could be your moment of awareness to speak a name of someone that you love, that you want to leave before God. That every time you wash your hands, that it is a reminder of God's good, redemptive work in your life, that you just want to say, God, thank you. That whenever you take a run or a walk or even go out to get your mail, that could also be a signal of, oh, I want to speak to the one who has made me. That every time you scroll or you open up an app, that you can also pray. <laughs> what if you allowed these moments, or maybe moments you have just thought of like, oh, every time I walk in and out of a door, every time I draw close to someone that I love, it's the bell or the buzzer just for me to commune with God, or to sit silently, or to offer gratitude, or to offer a one-liner, to talk to God like a friend. You can turn any moment into a moment to practice the presence of God, so that our days are not simply marked by time. But our days and our daily tasks can be marked by God. Here at the Southeast Raleigh table, we say um, our fourth core value is that we believe in the power of prayer. And prayer looks like a lot of different things to lots of different people, depending on what season of life you might be in or how you best connect with God. There is never a time when we don't need to commune with God, let me say that. But this does feel like a time in life, I will say, where the level of our being able to fix the things around us feels very much beyond us. And so then we can begin to worry that, oh my goodness, will my prayers be efficacious? Will they be strong enough, bold enough, long enough, right enough, holy enough, long enough, in order to somehow motivate or move God. But I don't want you to think about prayer as you shooting up arrows to God and then God shooting down arrows of love to the situation. But when you are communing with God, when you are speaking to God, when you are doing your daily task and you're simply making yourself open and available to the power of God, God is already at work. You're just simply acknowledging that as you offer up gratitude or as you speak about situations that you cannot fix or about circumstances that seem so beyond us. We believe in the power of prayer, but prayer doesn't have to look like one thing. Every time you pick up your child and put your child down, that can also be a moment that you're like, God, for the things I cannot pick up and for the things I need to lay down, I mean, it can be that where you get to practice the presence. I don't want to um, invite you into practicing the presence without also sharing how I'm going to practice the presence of God this week. Every time my cell phone chimes, ting, ting, this how my, my um, text messages sound, I'm going to stop. 
And before I swipe up to see who has texted me or who needs something from me, I'm going to go to the one who is able to hold all the things that I need, all the things that I want, all the things that I'm seeking, all the things that are beyond me. The ding ding of my cell phone will be the way in which I say, I'm going to bring all the things to the one who can hold all things. How might you practice the presence this week? How might you invite yourself into the midst of the holy? How might your mundane, everyday activities not only be marked by check, but also to be marked by God? Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you are here and you are near to us. Gracious God, you hear us and you seek to be our friend. Lord, would you open our mouths and our hearts and our eyes and our ears that we would see every moment holy. That this week we would see every moment as an opportunity to have conversation with you not in an attempt to win some kind of holy award, to say, oh look, praying without ceasing looked like this for me this week as though uh, we um, jumped through holy hoops. But instead, God, that we would find it so familiar to talk to you, to cry with you, to laugh with you, to open ourselves and make ourselves available to whatever it is, oh God, you might give to us as a gift. I pray that as we practice the presence this week, that you would be so merciful to help us to feel and sense your presence, that this making every moment holy would not feel futile, or like an exercise that does not produce fruit. But instead, Lord, that we would see with new eyes, that we would hear with new ears, that we would go about our days with a newfound sense of groundedness, that even before a word is on our tongue, that God, you know it completely because you're a God who wants to hear what we have to say. We thank you, Lord, for being ever-present and ever-near. Help us to practice being in your presence and to find rest there. This we pray in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who in the early morning, when it was still dark, went to a deserted place to pray. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.